Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. It is called the abomination of desolation, or the abomination which causes desolation because when they see that jesus says run run like the dickens get out get to the mountain of petra because we got problems that's how you're gonna know that he is a counterfeit when the people see that he say breaks his treaty in the middle of the tribulation he sets his image up the people recoil and at that point they know that he is a counterfeit you see the bible says if jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. You know, if you don't receive Jesus Christ, you will receive the Antichrist. Fact. You don't receive Jesus, then you receive the Antichrist. And that is what the people had to look forward to. But Jesus was more than loving and more than kind when he told them, when you see these things happening, he says, know that my coming is near. Interesting. This man is going to be a deceiver. So the opening of the first seal signals the arrival of the Antichrist. The second seal we find in verses 3 and 4. The second seal was opened, John sees, note, a fiery red horse that went out. And the one who sat on the horse was given power not to bring peace. Did you get that? This one was given power not to bring peace, but to take peace from the earth. Interesting. Now, red. Red is the color of war and bloodshed. So with the opening of the second seal, there's going to be wars and bloodshed upon the earth. So the peace that the Antichrist bargained for, he will later take from the earth. And notice he was given a great sword. A great sword was given to him. The Antichrist has traded his bow for a great sword and with power and brute strength. He will wield that sword and lead armies to war and people will be killing each other. It will be global anarchy and war. Slaughter. Unbelievable. We've known from history the L.A. riots and what is going on in Sri Lanka the murders and the killings that are taking place there, brutal murders around the world. But when this seal is broken and when this seal is opened, there will be no peace on the earth whatsoever. Now, you can lock your front door. More often than not, you lock your front door at night and 99.9% chance you'll wake up in the morning and you'll still have all your stuff. 
99.9%, you'll wake up in the morning and your family will still be intact. Your people will be still living. There will be nothing catastrophic that happened overnight. There is a level of peace that we are experiencing today. Why? Because the church is still here. Because we, the body of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, we are still here. And we are restraining full-on anarchy, global slaughter. The church is currently restraining that. But when the church is removed in the rapture, and the Bible says that could come at any time, you need to be ready. When the church is removed, then all hell breaks loose. And then... The earth will experience, you know, people say, oh man, this earth is hell. It's awful living here. It's just, oh, this world is awful. It's just awful. It's hell. Listen, you haven't seen anything yet. This is nothing. This is wonderful. We can still, you know, depending on where you live. I mean, if you, when you live in Apex or you live in the hood, I mean, you can still experience a level of peace in our culture. But when the church is raptured, I should hope you're not here because then it will be all out war. Notice the sword speaks of military conquest. Now we don't know, scholars don't know exactly what this sword is. Some scholars believe that the sword here speaks of nuclear warfare. Some believe it speaks of biological warfare or weapons of mass destruction and devastation. We don't know, but what we do know is that it is full-blown war. And because it's war, you are looking for food and ways to survive, and this global anarchy sets the stage for the appearance of the third horse. Notice famine in verses 5 and 6. Now, after many have been killed by the red horse who has brought mass destruction, the black horse brings great famine in the land. Following a war, and especially a war where atomic weapons are used, it will create a terrible famine on the earth. Normally, a day's wage or denarius would buy 10 quarts of wheat, 30 quarts of barley. But during the famine, you'll only get one quart of wheat and three quarts of barley. An awful famine. It'll take a whole day's wage just to buy a quart of wheat. The average man would have to work full time just to get enough food for himself, not for his family. Just enough food for himself. That doesn't include, you know, necessities, other necessities. Just the food. Just the wheat. And then get this. It doesn't include maybe the coals or what you're going to need in order to make something out of the wheat. It doesn't include that at all. Just the wheat. It's going to be an awful, awful time of famine upon the earth. But notice, as I pointed out earlier, did you note, don't hurt or harm the oil and the wine? Then that speaks of luxury, as I said. The rich of the world seem to continue to get richer, even during the times of war and famine. They will still have money and wealth, and yet even that will only last and be a resource for a while, because the Bible says, fast forward to chapter 13, the Bible says that man will not be able to buy nor sell unless they take the mark of the beast. So even the rich will have their day. Interesting. First comes the politics, then power, then war, then famine. During the opening of this third seal, it's going to be so economically oppressive, it's going to be a ration of food. A ration of food. I was surprised to find out these statistics, some facts concerning world hunger. 
Listen to this. It'll probably blow you away. Today, half the children in the world go to bed hungry. Interesting. Half the children of preschool age are so severely undernourished that they will suffer physical or mental retardation. 10,000 people died today of starvation. In the U.S., we throw enough food away to feed a family of six in India. One researcher estimates that 15% of all edible food in the United States winds up in the trash. That's $17.5 billion a year of food that winds up in the trash. I like to go to Golden Corral, especially on Friday night when they have the steaks and I can eat all the steak I want. I love Golden Corral. It's a great place. And I've noticed people go there. I was one of those kind of people, too, that when I went to Golden Corral, I spent my eight bucks. I'm thinking I'm going to get all the food I can get out of this eight bucks. I'm going to get as much as I possibly can. I walk out the door like, just like, I can't even look at food. And you would, I would notice how people would go get plates of food, and they would just stack the plates up mile high. And they're coming back home their plate like this here. They get it up on the table, take a few bites of it. Ah, oh, I don't like it. The server comes by and takes their plate away. The food is still on the plate. The server comes by and takes the plate away. And guess what happens to that food? They throw it in the trash. Man, that $17 billion must be from Golden Corrals alone. It's pretty incredible. 460 million people are on the brink of starvation. The average American dog consumes more protein than most people. While we sit down to dinner tonight, 400 people will starve to death. And when we wake up in the morning, there are 203,000 additional mouths to feed. That's staggering. But the famine that strikes during the tribulation will be worse than this. It will be worse than even this. The fourth and final seal that we'll look at this morning is found in verse 7 and 8. I want to take the time to read it again. Look in verse 7 if you're there, say amen. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature coming, saying, Come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed with him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, and with death, and by the beast of the earth. Notice the political guy is on the scene. The war follows, then famine. The rich are getting richer, but the working man is working a whole day and can barely feed himself, let alone his family. Things go from bad to worse and from worse to the worstest. Worser. It's awful. And then death comes knocking at the door. The fourth seal is death. Notice a pale horse. Behold, John says, I saw a pale horse. Now, the Greek word for pale is chloros. C-H-L-O-R-O-S. We have the word chlorine. Interesting. This horse is putrid green in color. The color is of decaying flesh. This horse is really, really ugly. This is the ugliest horse you've ever seen. And notice the rider, as I pointed out, 
which I find to be fascinating, the writer is named Death, and following behind is Hell. They were given many tools by which they might take life, the sword, famine, disease, the beast of the earth. Now notice that. The name of him, the name of him, 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 that's a personal pronoun. That tells us that the one riding the horse is a person named Death. Interesting. And the one who sat is Death, and Death is a person, and Hades is floating right behind. Death comes riding in to claim bodies, and Hell is right behind to claim the souls. And notice the beast of the earth. The Greek word for beast. Interesting. We think of beast. We think of lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. I can't help it every time I do that. And we think of beasts like big, gigantic, huge beast. That's what we think of beasts. Listen, that's not what this word beast means. Literally, the word beast means frightful of any size. Frightful of any size. Yeah. There are many differing opinions as to what this beast is. Some scholars, some very good scholars, believe that the beast is microscopic, like Ebola like HIV, like AIDS. And some believe, and I hold this position also, I believe because it follows that the beasts that is spoken of here are rats. Rats. Now, I believe this follows because rats follow famine. And rats are very clever and adaptable and very destructive. Did you know that if you went to an area heavily populated and destroyed 97% of the rats and left 3% of them alive, it would only take one year for them to completely repopulate? Interesting. Rats are extremely prolific. They can produce five or more litters of eight to ten babies per year. And rats have killed more people than all the wars of history. They carry as many as 35 diseases. Their fleas carry bubonic plague, which if you know your history, you know that the bubonic plague killed a third of the population of Europe in the 14th century. So by opening this fourth seal, a fourth of the Earth's population is going to be killed which causes two reactions in the hearts of those left on the earth, which we will talk about next week. But notice a fourth of the population is dead. Now, that's a lot of people. It is estimated that there are six billion people on the planet today. Six billion people on the planet today. It took 13 years to get from five billion to six billion. They say, whoever these they people are, they say that it took 10 years to get from 6 to 7 billion. And it takes about 8 to 9 years to get from 7 to 8 billion people on the planet. So in the next 20 years, if the Lord tarries, if the Lord tarries, in the next 20 years, we'll add 2 billion people to the planet. If the Lord tarries, I don't think he will, but if he does. Now, wouldn't that just shed new light on the whole abortion issue? 
And this is just my opinion. Okay? My opinion. I believe that is why the whole abortion issue is so pushed and accepted. Because we don't have the infrastructure for two more billion people upon the planet. So, let's start getting rid of them. My opinion. But during this fourth seal, one billion, five hundred million people will die. A fourth of the Earth's population being six billion people on the planet. One billion, five hundred million people will die. Now, that's a lot of people. That's a lot. I mean, even the World Trade Center. The World Trade Center, thousands of people died. As many as, I don't know, I've been hearing different numbers, but maybe, I don't know, 3,500, maybe 4,000 people, anybody know? I don't know. Somewhere around there, those several thousand people. That's a lot of people, and we think, wow, that's a lot of people to be dead at one time. Well, can you wrap your mind around this? One billion, five hundred million people dead at one time. Which presents a whole other set of problems. How do you bury them? Where do you bury them? How do you dispose of them? Which brings disease and all kinds of problems in and of itself. This is an awful, awful, awful time upon the earth. It's shocking. A billion people killed by the sword, by war, hunger, death, and the beast, and natural causes. Because people will die natural causes. It's natural. So that's a lot of people. Now listen, if you're a Christian, listen to me and listen closely. If you're a Christian, this is not your future. You can say amen right there. If you're a Christian, this is not your future. Chapter 4 and chapter 5 is your future. You ought to read it and get familiar with it. That's your future. Your future is in heaven with Jesus Christ. Your future is worshiping around the throne with billions of creatures and angels and people who love Jesus just like you do in this huge amphitheater of people just singing a new song. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy is He. Just singing and worshiping Lord. If you're a Christian, that's your future. But listen, if you're not a Christian, then chapter 6 begins your future. This should be sobering to you. This should be sobering to you. Chapter 6 is big trouble. But even in chapter 6, in your future, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you find your future here in chapter 6. We can also see that during these 13 chapters of the seven-year tribulation, we can also see very clearly how much God loves people. Even in the tribulation, even in the suffering, even in the seals and people dying and bloodshed and war upon the planet, we can still see, listen, we can still see God's love even in God's judgment. How so, Rodney? Well, I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked. Because during the tribulation period, people will be getting saved. They will? Yeah. People will be getting saved during the tribulation. Now, they will have to give their life if they make a profession of Jesus Christ, and they will have to become a martyr for Him. They will have to give their lives for Him. But listen, let's just face it. 
Even if you're a Christian today, you've got to give your life for him today. The Bible says if you want to follow him, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. You have to die now or die then, but you must die. So you're going to have to give your life one way or the other. But people are going to be getting saved. And so you come to church. You know because you're a Christian. You come to church. Pastor Roddy preaches this message. You leave this sanctuary and you go to the first hallway on the left and order a CD copy of this awesome sermon, Subliminal Messages. And you take that sermon and that CD copy or tape, Subliminal, four bucks. And, and, and you... <laughs> And you give that to your friend. You give that to your unsaved loved one. You give that to your unsaved friend. And then what if the Lord comes tonight? And you as a Christian, you get raptured tonight. Well, your unsaved friend, your unsaved loved one, they've got this tape, they've got this CD. Tomorrow, they realize that something's really weird. I mean, millions of people have been gone from the planet and nobody can explain it and, and there's a shortage of police officers and firemen and, and, and nobody can explain all this stuff and you think hmm hmm i remember i remember my that my friend gave me a cd i better put that in you get your cd out they get their cd out and they put it in and they listen and they and they, and they listen to, to this sermon about about the seven year tribulation and about all of these events and they start thinking wow these things are starting to happen man man yeah oh yeah, and then Roddy said that. Yeah, and then he was screaming in the microphone, but he said this. And yeah, and look at that. Oh, man, I better get saved. And it's during the tribulation. It's during this awful time. Then they give their life to Christ. Praise the Lord. And you'll see him in heaven. Because after this time period, when the Lord resurrects them from the grave, you'll all be in heaven together. But people can get saved during the tribulation period. So the very fact that people are able to be saved during the tribulation, does that not tell you, does it not tell me of the love and the grace of God that even in his judgment and even in his chastisement, God still loves people. You should say amen. God still loves people. Listen, God still loves people. God is love. God is love. Wait a minute, Ronnie. I ain't buying it. God is love. Then how do you explain all this? This is not loving. It's mean. Listen, God could wipe us all out right now and be done with it. Because God is God. And you're not him. Me neither. But God is loving. Even in the chastisement, even in the war, the suffering, the bloodshed, the pain, the death, God cares more about you in eternity than he does care about the seven years that you spend during the tribulation. Amen? God cares that you are in him, with him in eternity. That's what God cares about. So even doing all of this, God isn't punishing people. The purpose of the tribulation is to bring people to repentance. The purpose of the tribulation is God's effort to cause men to repent, to turn from their sin, and to turn to God that they might live. God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. If Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. Say to them as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Let the wicked should turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. It's like God is crying out. But why should you die? See, God isn't seeking to punish. 
God wants reconciliation, not retribution. It's interesting that the word punish is only used one time in the entire book of Revelation. And even that is speaking of God's punishment and judgment upon this one world government system of which we'll talk about a little later. God isn't seeking to punish, but the Bible does say the wages of sin is death. Is death. Now, if you're a Christian, Jesus has already died for you. And if you're not a Christian, then you must die for yourself. It's your choice. Your choice. God loves people because God is love. And when you study this book and you keep that filter of God is love, you'll come to a very balanced conclusion as you draw conclusions if you study the book. A very balanced. God is love. All that God does is out of because God loves You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.